Judges chapter 10. After Abimelech, Tola the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, a man of Issachar, arose to save Israel. He lived in Shemir in the hill country of Ephraim. He judged Israel 23 years and died and was buried in Shemir. After him, Jair the Gileadite arose. He judged Israel 22 years. He had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkey colts. They had 30 cities, which are called havoth Jair to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. Jair died and was buried in Carmon. The children of Israel again did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. The God of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the children of Ammon and the gods of the Philistines. They abandoned Yahweh and didn't serve him. Yahweh's anger burned against Israel and he sold them into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the children of Ammon. They troubled and oppressed the children of Israel that year. For 18 years they oppressed all the children of Israel that were beyond the Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. The children of Ammon passed over the Jordan to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was very distressed. The children of Israel cried to Yahweh, saying, We have sinned against you, even because we have forsaken our God and have served the Baals. Yahweh said to the children of Israel, Didn't I save you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites, from the children of Ammon and from the Philistines? The Sidonians also and the Amalekites and the Maonites oppressed you, and you cried to me and I saved you out of their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Go and cry to those gods which you have chosen. Let them save you in the time of distress. The children of Israel said to Yahweh, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you. Only deliver us, please, today. They put away the foreign gods from among them, and they served Yahweh. And his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. Then the children of Ammon were gathered together and encamped in Gilead. The children of Israel assembled themselves together and encamped in Mizpah. The people of the princes of Gilead said to one another, Who is the man who will begin to fight against the children of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. In Judges chapter 10, we meet the sixth and the seventh of the judges. Now the sixth judge is Tola and says very little about Tola. There's no military victory that's ascribed to him, you know, like Gideon or like Deborah, like, you know, some of the others like Ehud who had great victories. This guy doesn't have anything and yet it says that he saved Israel and he ruled them for 23 years. Now how on earth can you save Israel if you don't have a victory over anything? And then the next judge, the seventh judge, Jair, he had 30 sons who rode 30 donkeys and he ruled Israel 22 years. So during the, the time of these two judges, a 23 and a 22, that's 45 years, you've got peace in the land. Now that's actually a type of salvation because if they're not there and their ruling isn't there, then the land descends into chaos. That's when you become oppressed. So just courtesy of there being good leadership in place, the people are saved. I thought that's such a very, very interesting thing to be. Sometimes we think, um, you know, that, that's, well, for example, in this whole book of Judges, we always think that 
that they're saved when they're delivered out of, out of bondage. But spiritually, we know that salvation, you know, that the, the real issue of salvation is being delivered from the bondage of the evil one. And so while ever these judges were there, now we've got these two judges, Tola and Jair, we basically know nothing about them. But while they're there, the people are following the Lord. That's salvation. It's the presence and the influence of these, these leaders that cause the people to remain following the Lord. And so they're saved. And this is what, what Christ came into the world for, was to save us. Christ is the ultimate leader and he's the ultimate judge. He's the whole picture of the book of Judges with all these judges. It's really a reflection of Christ. When Christ is present, even if there's no enemy to fight, we're saved. When Christ isn't present, we're, we're lost, even if there's no enemy visibly on the scene. But the truth is that through all these judges, we're seeing what Christ does in every situation. We see these stories where Ehud comes in and he's weak and infirmed and he kills Eglon the king of Moab with his left hand. A picture of Christ who came to the earth weak, became a human, but delivered us from the devil, destroyed the power of the devil, even in weakness. You've got that picture of Christ coming. You've got the picture of Gideon, you know, catching the devil by surprise. <laughs> even though there's only a few. The Lord didn't have thousands of armies at his work. He came with just with so little resources, but caught the devil by surprise, completely destroyed his schemes. All these stories, but then we've got a picture here of, of Israel saved, even though there was no uh, enemy defeated, and that's our salvation. You know, we may not have chaos going on in our lives, but without Christ, we would not be saved. So all these different judges give us uh, a picture of what it's like to be saved, what it's like to be with Christ. Christ is our judge. And ultimately, of course, at the end of the world, when all things are wrapped up, he is our judge. He's going to determine what we've done right and what, we're going to, what we did wrong and, and how we will be repaid or rewarded. Now, I want to talk for a few minutes um, just about the judge, the timing of the book of Judges. Um, some of the commentators, there's all different types of commentators, and um, some of them are very skeptical. You know, they're always looking for ways to prove the Bible wrong. Some of them are very, um, they believe the Bible um, so thoroughly, but they believe it so literally that sometimes they, they can't explain things properly. So sometimes the Bible isn't literal. Sometimes it needs to be understood in its context you know, in the way they thought back then. And sometimes you just need to understand that the Bible doesn't write literally the way we write it today. So for example, we write books today, history, history books, for example, we write them chronologically. We write them in all in order. Um, so this comes first, this comes first, this comes first. If you're writing a history of someone's life, you wouldn't tell, you know, generally speaking, you don't tell things just here, there, and all over the place. Although occasionally, you might start the book with a story from when they're old and then go back to their youth and then tell it in chronological order. But in the book of Judges, we've got some, some interesting, we've got at least one major interesting feature. And even though the book is roughly in chronological order, we get to this very chapter, chapter 10, and we're now setting the scene. We, we met Judge 6 and Judge 7, and then the, it described all this process where the people were following other gods, and then they are attacked by different tribes, and then it mentions two in particular, the Ammonites and the Philistines, 
we've now set the scene for what's going to follow. And all the judges that are to follow, another five of them, um, the two main ones of those are going to be Jephthah and Samson. Now Samson's going to be fighting against the Philistines and Jephthah's going to be fighting against the Ammonites, but they actually overlap. You get the impression as you read through Judges that Jephthah comes first and then there's this gap and then Samson comes next. But no, the battle and the struggles with the Ammonites and the Philistines were happening at the same time. They were happening in different parts. The Ammonites were fighting more on the eastern side. The Philistines are on the coast. It's more on the western side. And so you've got this, these things going on concurrently. And that's what sometimes people don't realize. Sometimes you get the impression that when an enemy would arise to attack Israel, you get the impression that they've conquered the whole of Israel and every single person, every single place was struggling. But no, not necessarily the case. Because as we were just reading, um, we were just reading right now about the Ammonites. It says they oppressed them as far as Judah. Well, you know, that means that there were parts of Israel that they weren't oppressing. And um, so sometimes the, you just can't assume that these oppressions all happened in the exact order, one after another after another, and there were no overlaps because there were overlaps. And you also have to realize that the oppressions didn't happen in the entirety of the land of Israel, that some of them were only in just a part of it. So what's going to happen in the rest of Judges is we're going to have five more judges and then some other stories after that but we're going to have Jephthah first and then Samson second and there's going to be quite overlap between the two and definitely at least 20 years I've worked out of overlap and so this is where we get back to these people that try to prove the Bible wrong what they do is they go through the whole book of Judges and they add up all the years so they would say for example oh the the king of Moab you know he oppressed uh, he oppressed uh, Israel for 18 years and then the land had peace for 40 years. So they'd say 18 plus 40, that's 58 years right there. And they go through and add up all the years and it adds up to around about uh, 410 years around about. If you add up all the ages in the book of Judges, every time there was numbers mentioned, add them all together, you get more than 400 years. But if you historically look at the dating, there's not enough time to fit 400 years in there. So the time that um, Joshua gets to the promised land, well, the time they enter across the promised land, across the Jordan River, it's 1406 BC. And by the time Saul becomes the king of Israel, it is uh, 1000 and, is it 1030 BC? So there's roughly only 300 and, I'm just trying to do my quick maths here, roughly about 376 years in there. There's not 400. And then you've got to take off the 25 years of the book of Joshua off of that. So that comes down to around about 351 years. So there's around about 351 years that the book of Judges covers. But if you add up all the ages in the book of Judges, it's more, more than 400 years, around 410. So where are those 60 years? Well, we've got 20 of them at least right here where Joshua and where... Um, Jephthah and Samson overlap. So I just wanted to explain that because sometimes you read things where people say, oh, the book of Judges isn't really historical. It doesn't make sense. The numbers don't add up. They don't add up if you don't understand it. But if you understand that there are things like overlaps and you, uh, <laughs> it's a very historical book. And they're finding things all the time that date back to the Judges period. 
And uh, in fact, it was only a few weeks ago they found the, that piece of pottery that said the property of Jeroboam, which was Gideon. And that was dated to 1150 BC, which is around about the right time. So um, these are just all, all things that ignorant people think. P ignorant people have an assumption about the Bible of guilty until proven innocent. <laughs> whereas, whereas it's the word of God. And the Lord knows things we don't know. And we really should trust him. So Father, we want to thank you for Judges 6 and 7, Tola and Jair. I want to thank you, Lord, that you are our salvation. I thank you that we have peace because you're our leader. We have peace with God because, because we found Christ. So I want to thank you, Lord, for our ultimate judge, the Lord Jesus. And I pray you'd bring us into deeper and deeper things of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.